Welcome in. Thanks for listening. This is episode number 22 of the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame podcast. I'm Chad Noonan. Very excited that you could tune in. Two amazing interviews, as always. Two phenomenal, hilarious women on the show. I have Crystal Ferrier coming up in just a bit, and Courtney Gilmore is going to kick off the show. But first, I want to tell you about Jaybird Digital Arts. Now, anytime you see a graphic for this show or for the Hall of Fame, it's all done by Jaybird Digital Arts. He does graphics for the comedy community, the wrestling community. If you are a comedian, you're promoting a show, you want good, clean, amazing, engaging graphics, check out Jaybird Digital Arts. Uh, visual graphics, design needs, flyers, ads, social media files. He does it all. It's jaybirddigitalarts.com. He does all the graphics for the show and he does an amazing job. He makes me look good. So if he can do that, he's definitely the right man for your for your show, for your event, for your promotion, jbirddigitalarts.com. Okay, let's get to today's episode here on the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame podcast. Uh, it's been an exciting month. Month. There's been lots going on. Uh, Juno Awards were given out. John Doerr won that. Uh, the Canadian Screen Awards are coming up. We'll see who wins the comedy category in that. I believe that's next week. Uh, and, I, and I have two exciting guests that reflect that. First up on the show, it's Courtney Gilmore. Courtney was nominated this year for the Juno, just coming off that nomination for her album, her hilarious album, Let Me Hold Your Baby. She's also on the new wave of stand-up on CBC Gym, which came out last week, an amazing show. I think there's about 13 or 14 comedians that are in this season of new wave of stand-up. Courtney is one of them. Her set is amazing. We talk lots about that. That's why she's on this show, to promote that. And of course, you know Courtney from her Canada's Got Talent final fame. She made it all the way to the finals. Very, very funny. I hope you enjoy this interview. She's just a sweetheart of a human being and and some amazing insights on comedy. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Courtney Gilmore on the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame podcast. How hard is it to watch a joke bomb? Even even if you're the only one watching. Okay. um, So that's really interesting. That's actually a really interesting question because I don't, I don't really watch I feel it. I feel it in my soul. That okay. I, I watch it from outside my body that a joke is bombing, but um, I don't record all of my sets. I know that's sacrilegious, but I don't do that. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm starting to record them more. And I know that there's, there's lots of benefit from, from recording over and over again so that you can see, you know, what's working and what hasn't been working. But but I haven't, I don't really do that a lot. And so I think the times that I've watched bombs have mostly been times where I've been watching, well, this is not recent, but like when I first started, I would have sets recorded. And then in that moment, I'd be like, oh, this is so good. And then like a year later, I would watch it and then retroactively be like, oh, that was a bomb. That was not good at all. Yeah. So yeah. I've, done, I've done that, um, but not. It's not a recent thing. I've definitely felt it though, um, on a on a spiritual level. <laughs> like I said, this is the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame podcast, so I always kind of like to start this way. There's who were your Canadian comedy influences growing up? Did you have any influences in the comedy world, specifically Canadian? Um, 
Yes, I did. Um, let me rack my brain. I mean, someone that comes to mind prominently is Nikki Payne. I really oh, love yeah. Nikki Payne is such a national treasure. She's so funny. And I mean, if you haven't seen her live, it's such a an explosive experience. She's energetic. So, yeah. So energetic. And she just gets an entire crowd just like tables rumbling funny. And and it's it's amazing to watch and really inspiring. And I just love um you know, I look up to people who have like differences in their lives that set them apart from like the average person, um, you know, let alone the average comedian. And so she and I have that in common. And I've always really looked up to her. Um, Mark Forward, too. Really love Mark yeah. Forward. Chris mm -hmm. Locke. Mark Little. Yeah. Um, Rebecca Kohler. She's now in L.A. Um, Steph Tolev, who's killing it in LA as well, but she started here for many, many years and she's mm -hmm. finally, finally got off the ground on the American side. And it's, it's very cool to watch. Yeah. All great. All great names. I have an amazing video on my hard drive of Nikki, Nikki Payne accepting a Canadian comedy award. Uh, I think it was comedian of the year, stand-up comedian okay. of the year back in yeah. like 2005. And her acceptance mm -hmm. speech is amazing. Hilarious. She's is it um, unbelievable. Yeah, it's great. I've posted it a few times on social media. It's one I should like put up again because Nikki Payne deserves a ton of credit okay. uh, and a ton amazing. of admiration for what yes. she does. What, uh, how'd you get your start in stand-up? Where did uh, your first stand-up experience come from? I started... Um... I have a, a similar path to many, many comedians um, in that I started sort of as more of a church comedian, more of a Christian comic. Okay. And um, <laughs> that's not uh, the case anymore, but that's where I got my humble beginnings. And so I did a lot of like corporate clean stuff. And my first comedy experience was in Windsor, Ontario. That's where I went to school uh, for university. And um I was involved with like this campus religious like Christian organization and we wanted to have a fundraiser and I thought it would be a cool idea to um, have a comedy show, but I didn't know I, I, I hadn't been doing comedy. I didn't know anything about comedy, just that I thought it would be a fun idea. So I was like looking up clean comedians like who can I book, who can I bring in and I found this girl in LA. Her name is Carrie Pomeroli, and uh, she was married to, she was a comedian herself, and she's married to, she was married to a guy who was, um, like, in last comic standing, however many years ago, and I was like, oh, we should bring them in, and so we did, and um, I went from, like, zero comedy experience whatsoever to producing this com comedy show, and in the process of organizing it, she was like, okay, so, you know, when I come and do like about 40 minutes, I'm going to need an opener. So do you know anyone in the local scene who could do that? And I did not even know what that meant. Like, I didn't oh, even know wow. what she was, I didn't even know what she was talking about. Like, what do you mean? Someone to like open, like a host, I guess. I was like, I was planning on hosting it. Um, she was like, no, no, no. Like someone who could do like five minutes of, of stand-up material. And Windsor, did not have a comedy scene at all. So I had no idea about any of that. But the more we were emailing and talking, she she was like, well, you sound funny. <laughs> she, <laughs> she's like, you sound like maybe you could have like a few jokes. And I, and I thought about it and I was like, you know what? 
maybe I, maybe I could, maybe I could oh give God. it a, to give it a try. So I did. And, um, I had a blast, you know, it was a very, for a first experience, it was very cushioned in the sense that, you know, it was a fundraiser, friends and family were there. They were all so excited that I was going to do comedy and I had a blast. It was just so much fun. And then from there, I think I just, I finally tapped into a part of myself that I didn't know existed, like this performative aspect of myself that had otherwise been largely introverted. So it just steamrolled from there. From there, I moved to Toronto and I was sort of tiptoeing around doing comedy. And once I moved here, I was like, okay, Toronto is the place to be for comedy. So I can't do the whole half in, half out thing anymore. I got to start going to open mics. Because mm -hmm. I, I was watching, you know, I don't know if you can relate to this, but I spent my first year just going to Yuck Yucks just to watch the shows. Right. Watching a whole bunch of live comedy. And I got really comfortable just being an audience member and appreciating it. But, you know, you got to get off your butt at some point. <laughs> yeah. So I finally messaged uh, a comedian you might know, Matt O'Brien, Matt O'Brien, yep. um, who I also just love and was so kind to me. And I was just essentially, I just, the way I phrased my message was more or less, how do you do this? How do you do this more? How do you do this regularly? How do you get booked? And, um, and he gave me such a kind answer. He's like, you just got to go do it. And here's a list of open mics, have fun. And yeah, I just kind of snowballed from there. And then I, you know, one thing led to another. That's so amazing. That is, that's a very unique story, I think, in, in, in stand up. How did you like that first set? Like, what was your base for like writing jokes? Like, how did you know kind of what was funny and what wasn't funny? And do you remember any jokes from that first set? Um, so my first set in Toronto was a Yuck Yucks amateur night on a Tuesday. Okay. Yeah. And it was very fun. I remember being so, so hyped up on adrenaline and I did, you know, I did pretty well, but, um, I was go. it's so interesting to look back at that time in my life now, because I was clearly going for more of like one liner and like dark, dark one liner type jokes. I can't remember. Um, I can't really remember what, what I was saying, but, but I remember my first, um, one of my first jokes I ever wrote that I've, I used, that was the one that kind of launched me was um, about how I don't have hands. I'm an amputee, but I was born this way. And so that's not a very interesting, um, you know, story to tell people. And so instead, just for fun, I like to tell people that I'm an abortion survivor. <laughs> and, um, and that was one of my very first jokes. And that was the one that was like, oh, okay, I like, I like where my writing is going that way. It's kind of like, you know, it's a little bit of a misdirect and it's not something people expect. And I think it's funny. And so that, you know, I came up with that and that joke, you know, it's, it's, it got me, it got me in a lot of doors to be honest with you, because it was a little, you know, it was a little edgy for the time. Sometimes it mm -hmm. still is. I don't really do it anymore, but I have put it on TikTok and Instagram and stuff like that. And, and yeah. Um, but it was a good first experience, I would say. It, it probably wasn't for like another two or three shows that I started to realize like what the underbelly of comedy could look like on a bad night. But, you know, yeah. hey, 
we got there. We got there. <laughs> exactly. Um, you, you did mention that you're a, an amputee. My day yeah. job is I work with people uh, with disabilities and help them with assisted devices um, okay. in order to get into a, employment. So that's what cool. I do day to day for a nonprofit. Comedy related question to this and just kind of a personal interest thing is how accessible do you think comedy is today in Canada for somebody with disabilities? A lot of comedians I work with, Michael Litchfitz, I don't know if you know Michael. Yes, um, yeah. he, he is uh, in a wheelchair. We've talked about this. Aaron Belial, who was on Kill Tony, and mm -hmm. he's got a, a bunch of stuff. He's, he's somebody else that I work with a lot and talk to. Um, so I just curious to your perspective on accessibility and comedy in Canada. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because I'm very aware of the lack of accessibility that has been um, established in, well, not, yeah, established. I, I think, it, you know, this, I, my philosophy is always that, you know, we're more disabled by the world around us than we are by our own bodies. It's where, mm. and that's, you know, um, you know, it's it's the it's the disability model of the society that is built for able-bodied people, and so I think that it's maybe more accessible now than it was when I started. But it's also hard for me to say because my accessibility levels are quite different than someone in a wheelchair who can't physically enter a venue, mm -hmm. you know, or who has to consider that before they go out. And um, but there's but there's also just been like a new, a brand new wave, sorry for the pun and for accidentally plugging my new special thing <laughs> in the conversation, the new, but there has been like a new wave of, of differently abled comics and different, like disabled comics and, and different voices. And I think because of that, we have to make space. And so, you know, I, I know a lot more disabled comics. Um, the ones you mentioned, uh, Michael McCreary, who is an autistic mm -hmm. comic, who is so funny. Desiree Walsh is um, in a wheelchair. And uh, I think that the more, the more voices we have being added to the conversation, the more we have to make space because we're like, these people are funny. We got to let them in the door. You know, I'm doing a, I'm doing a show coming up actually at the Halifax Comedy Festival okay. at, at the end of April. And it's, um, we're taping a special for AMI, all disabled comics, and it's going to be a fully accessible show, like um, heart captions, ASL interpreters, fully physically um, accessible, uh, integrated video description. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm probably getting that wrong, but it's there's just everything has been considered. And that's been so cool to see a festival uh, and AMI primarily too, like organizing that because it's not really clocked that often on a standard industry level. So it's cool to see, and I hope we see more of it. Yeah, Accessible Media Interactive, they've really done a lot recently, yes. uh, more so in the past few years. It's a great channel. And like, I, there's shows on there that I really enjoy yeah. um, watching on their on their network. And some things are just so simple, like, uh, you know, people that, that are on like the comedy Facebook groups. And when you're posting for a spot, just putting whether the building is accessible or not can really mm -hmm. make it easy for people, right? Some things are really simple that just we can think of more, I think. Totally. Um, uh, new wave of comedy, which you you did mention. That's the <laughs> show. That's why yes. we're 
that's why we're here. March 24th, it started on CBC Gem, and you can watch mm. it anytime. I saw your set. It's very, very funny. Thank uh, you. Filmed in Vancouver. Were all those sets filmed in one night? Yes, yes, they were. There was a 7 p.m. show and a 9 p.m. show. And they okay. were both, yeah, both filmed at uh, Guilt & Co., I believe, uh, the, the venue was. But yes, in Vancouver, both nights. And uh, yeah, it's pretty exciting. Very cool venue, too. Like yes. it looked like it was a very fun mm. venue to be in. Yeah, it, it looked like a, a great experience. And the hang with the comics, which I know they had a little mm. bit of footage before and after your set of that hangout. That's that's usually the best part, right? When you're doing something yeah. like that is to meet all these comics from across Canada. Totally. The green room is always popping. Always great energy. Always funny. <laughs> Um, how how did this come about? How did you get uh, the call for New Wave and get on the show? Um, you know what? I think, I mean, I don't think it was anything crazy. I think that they just called me. I mean, I have done a lot of work for CBC. Fortunately, uh, I've, I've been able to have a lot of opportunities with CBC over the years. And uh, I've done a couple of like CBC Laugh Out Loud tapings. I did a show briefly. We did um, a season... Um, of a show with with John Doerr during the pandemic. And so, I don't know, I guess, I, and I, I do debaters a lot. So I think I've just been on their radar. And so when they, when they launched this new series, which is so cool to just have one platform that features stand-up specifically, we definitely need that. And uh, yeah, they had my number. <laughs> so <laughs> they just, they gave me a call and asked me if I wanted to do it. And I was more than happy to go. So yeah, it was a great time. Yeah. And a joint production here with with JFL. I believe this was part yes, of the yes. JFL Festival in Vancouver. That's right. That's right. Yes, that's right. Oh my gosh, I actually almost forgot that. That's yes. Thank you for for pointing that out because I remember. Yes, it was part of JFL Fan Vancouver, which is also really cool because I believe that was either their first or second year launching JFL Vancouver because it's usually just Montreal and Toronto, and so they. Mm -hmm. They've expanded, and I think it's really cool what they're doing with CBC, too. Obviously, um, Howie Mandel, big in JFL, uh, <laughs> yes. has an ownership in it. And, of course, uh, a judge on Canada's Got Talent, which you were on. By the way, when I told my parents that I was going to be interviewed, they that's I made it because I'm interviewing <laughs> you. You were their favorite on oh, JFL, wow. which is which is awesome. Um, so nice. so they, they were very excited for me specifically <laughs> that I am having this interview right now. Um, did Howie, did you ever get any like run-ins with Howie? Um, and <laughs> did he ever give you any advice or anything in your time on Canada's Got Talent? I think more it was limited to I mean he was so kind and, and encouraging towards me on the show like it was really really fun because I always loved my time on on Canada's Got Talent was I always looked forward to seeing Howie because I mean and they were all great but Howie was just as a stand-up so specifically encouraging of the comedians and so he was so lovely to me. I did get to open for him that that following summer uh, here in Toronto um and he was lovely then too he he really is not lying when he says he's a germaphobe he doesn't really <laughs> he doesn't really like to be in close proximity of people and we were at the the cne which if you're from toronto you know it's the canadian national exhibit it's a big amusement park and and we're we were all you know we're all just kind of recently coming off of covid um i mean we're still you know but yeah but lo lockdowns and such and so it was a lot of people all outdoors for this show. And I think, so he kind of wanted to sort of keep his own space, 
but he was very, he was very lovely to me. He always is. And um, yeah, I was happy to be able to work with him. Um, you did a fringe show. Congratulations. How does that differ from your stand up and preparation in writing and performance? Like what was the the different mindset you had going into like a fringe one person show as opposed to like a regular stand up act? Yeah, it's very different. A fringe show, I learned very quickly that the mindset is is just a whole other beast to contend with. And I mean, I think I still had stand-up mind going in because I knew I was using, I was going to use a lot of chunks of material within the show, but, you know, the structure of it had to be its own thing, and it had to be more of a uh, a longer narrative. It had to have more space to breathe, and I'm not used to that. I'm like, set up, punchline, let's go, and so I really had to let myself sit with feelings and be vulnerable, be vulnerable during moments where I wasn't, I wasn't necessarily going to get a laugh, which is so uncomfortable for a comedian, but it was necessary for the show because that was what it was about. It was about my journey to not only stand up, but discovering who I am in the world as a comedian who thought she wasn't going to be a comedian, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I was going down one lane to university and I was trying to please everyone in my life and realizing I'm taking a whole other divergent path. Um, you can't be funny about that the whole time. <laughs> you have to make, you have to, uh, you have to be vulnerable and and reveal parts of yourself. And that was really scary, but it was so rewarding because I got to um, express myself creatively in a totally different way. And it was so cool. And I worked with an incredible director, Phil Luzzi, who is experienced with directing Fringe. And um, he was just so fun. And he got me out of my shell. And I remember when when we first started rehearsing, he was like, he was like, Courtney, every time you say uh, like a serious line, you're kind of mumbling it or like I would I would trail Uh, off I would like trail off because I was too nervous to to like say the whole thing Mm -hmm. but he got me out of my head and it was just it was a really cool experience I'm thinking of doing another one I'm thinking of it it's not on paper yet but I'm thinking of doing a part two to it oh that's super cool (laughs) um how did you build your set for new wave when you're doing a show like this I mean what do you have like maybe maybe 10 minutes like is is an episode like how do you go through your because I mean you're you headline all the time I'm sure Mm -hmm. you have you know an hour at least that you're working with at any one giving given time um how do you whittle that down to 10 minutes that's going to captivate a tv audience Yeah, I mean, that can be tough because, yeah, it's about like eight to 10 minutes that you prepare knowing that it is likely going to be cut down even from that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've burned a lot of material, meaning I've recorded a lot for for, um, like TV and radio and stuff. And so that actually, I mean, in a way that actually makes your job a bit easier because it, it narrows your parameters quite significantly when you're like oh I've already I've already taped that for just for laughs I've already taped that for Winnipeg so how do I make so I mean the way I approach sets like that where it's like smaller where it's like more minimal in length is how do I introduce myself in the first minute or two and then which which area do I want to venture into after that and I think for this one 
um, I decided to go with like a more of like a relationship and love type of tone because mm-hmm. I'm talking about my own life and I believe I talk about my parents in there too and yeah. their their marriage and my struggle to not be able to figure out love even though I have like the perfect ideal prototype that I was raised with. So yeah, I think I just pick a theme. How do I introduce myself within this theme? Right. Oh, that's yeah. that's that's super cool. What's kind of you've had like an incredible. 18 months I'd say that's 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 unbelievable what's what's next for you like what what do you kind of see yourself happening in the next five years oh thanks I mean yeah I'm I feel like I'm in a way I've done comedy for for such a long time now but I feel like I'm just getting started and just getting going and so you know I will be doing you know the Halifax comedy festival soon and then from there hopefully more travel more touring um I'm gonna be you know working on touring the states more okay and uh yeah just trying to keep trying to keep busy trying to keep the projects going so yeah yeah I was I was gonna ask you about that actually about going into the U.S. have you ventured into the U.S. at all I mean Canada has been very good to you obviously you get a lot of stuff from the CBC and and stuff like that but there is that like allure of the America right below us. Um, Have you been there and done any comedy shows? Yeah, I have. I've done some like industry showcasing type of shows. I've done, uh, I was just in New York in October. I got to do, it was so fortunate. I got to do uh, one of the last runs at Caroline's on Broadway, which which recently closed. And so that was an incredible experience. It was probably one of the best shows I've ever had. Awesome. it was so good. I've I've uh, performed in Portland, in uh, North Carolina, and then in uh, June I'm going to Atlanta actually um, cool. to do the Laughing Skull Lounge. And yeah, so I'm trying to build build that more and and get over there more. Trying to expand awesome. my reach. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's super cool. My last question. It is always this. We we ask. I ask like who your comedy influences are, and you mentioned Nikki Payne. Mm-hmm. Um, but who do you think should be in the Hall of Fame? This is the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame podcast. I'm throwing it out there. I know you don't know who's in and who's out, <laughs> who you put in yeah. or, any, or anything like that. But just if you were building a Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame, yeah. who would you like to see in there? Obviously, Nikki Payne is a future Hall of Famer with her stand-up career and, and yeah. how amazing she is. Is there any other names that come to mind? I mean, if not already for Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame, I think, I think Rory Scovel, he's Canadian, right? I think, yeah, yeah. He's Canadian. He's so, so funny. He's, I mean, when I watch him, I get deep, like, stomach laughter. I've seen him, yeah, I've seen him a bunch of times um, at Just for Laughs, and he's just so, so funny. John Doerr as well, who just recently won a, a Juno for Comedy Album of the Year, Right. And congratulations on your nomination as well. I, uh, I should have led with that. Yeah. No, no, no. Thank you. No, 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 thank you. I I just, let me hold your baby is a hilarious, (laughs) hilarious album. So that's, uh, yeah, no, that's, that's huge. Yeah. Yeah, no, we had a great time at the Junos and we were all so, so happy for John for, for that well-deserved win, but he's been in the business for so long. He's so funny. He's such a unique personality and voice. And, um, I think he, I think he's got to go in there at the hall of fame. I think he deserves yep, it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. That Juno, that Juno experience looked like a, a lot of fun, obviously yes. in Edmonton this year. Yeah. Um, you got to do the Juno show, which has become a staple of Juno week. It's yeah. all, all, all the nominees get on one, one show. Uh, that show must've been a, a, a ton of fun. Um, it was, to do. it was. Yeah. yes, it was so nice. They had two sold out shows for us and they were just bonkers fun. They were so much fun. And then the crowds were awesome. And the, the five of us nominees just had such a party all week. Like we loved each other. We were hanging out and it was so great to be backstage with them and then watch each other kill on stage. It was it was quite an adventure. I I I was I'll never forget it. It was definitely a, a top tier memory for me. How, how does the lineup get set for those two shows when there's so many like heavyweights on the show? You're all <laughs> absolute killers. You're you're gonna follow a killer no matter what. You're gonna follow somebody who's amazing. So how does that even happen? Yeah, you mean like the running order? Um, yeah. You know what? It was, I believe it was, I mean, I don't want to say it was chosen randomly, but they didn't tell us how they were choosing what the order was. And then it was the same both times. So, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I that, You're just like, just give me random draw. Like, yeah, because I, I don't think you, that's the thing. Like you said, it's, it's a, it's a lineup of heavy hitters. You can't really miss. No. So. <laughs> yeah. There's no miss. Yeah. And we're all, except for, so actually we we're all pretty high end energy except for John Dorf who actually closed the show both times so maybe there okay. was some, some strategy there yeah 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 he can he can definitely he brings it down a little bit you know he's yes he's a high a, he's more cerebral. A, yeah slower pace but I mean so good so amazing so funny. yeah um thanks so much for doing this Courtney I really of appreciate course. it congrats on all your success with the Thank Juno you. nomination and and this show uh your set is very very funny on new wave of Stand Up, it's out right now on CBC Gem. Thanks again. Thank you so much. Courtney Gilmore, ladies and gentlemen. Courtney, uh, an amazing time talking with her. Again, she is on the newest season, the newest season of New Wave of Stand Up on CBC Gem. It's an amazing show. I watch them all. They're all phenomenal episodes. You have to check it out. New Wave of Stand Up, CBC gem like courtney said it was filmed in vancouver it's very funny i'll also next week on the show i'll have jackie perico on she was also on new wave of stand-up so that's re really really cool so uh thanks for courtney for doing that uh don't forget to check her out courtneygilmore.com is her website where you can see show booking she has that halifax show coming up at the end of april which sounds very very cool um and everything there everything courtney is at courtney gilmore Dot com. So thanks to Courtney. Thanks for to CBC Gem for, for booking that for me. And uh, again, check her out. New Wave of Stand Up on CBC Gem. Next up on the show, I have Crystal Farrier. Uh, Crystal is someone I met at Just for Laughs last year. We talked about that a little bit. She is uh, tearing it up. She's done all kinds of amazing things. This has been an incredible couple years for Crystal Farrier. Um, First of all, she was on Roast Battle Canada season two, and she put on an amazing performance. Check that out on Crave right now. Roast Battle Canada, CTV, Crave. Uh, it's amazing. Talked a lot about comedy, starting comedy, her first time doing Kenny Robinson's Nubian Disciples of Prior show. She was the first Indian woman to headline that, 
which is really cool. She's a mother. She's a behavioral therapist. And she's a very, very funny woman. I uh, had a great time talking with Crystal, reminiscing with her. She also, she also, I don't want to forget this. She performed at the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame Honor of Sketch celebration that we did back in November in Toronto. And uh, I was in the audience for that. She, she was amazing. She tore it up like she always does. Um, so here it is, my interview with the very funny, the amazing Crystal Ferrier on the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame podcast. I don't know if you remember, but we actually met at uh, at Just for Laughs. I do remember, uh, yes. Yeah, I was hanging out with your with your husband yeah, uh, sure. for a couple days. You came later. I don't know yeah. how how that worked that he got to go to Just for Laughs um, ahead of time. I had, I, had a, I had a studio recording that I had to do. So I was like, you go first and then I'll drive up and I'll meet you. So that's the what a great, what an amazing time. That was my first one. Was that your first JFL? No, that was probably, uh, I was in Montreal five years ago, I think. So probably my second in Montreal. Tell me about your growing up, your Canadian or your comedy influences. I always like to start that way. It was like, you know, what what was kind of like the first thing you remember being funny or or any influences you had? You know what? Growing up, I, I always um, thought I was funny, but I was kind of, you know, pushed towards my academic side, which is fine. Um, I think it definitely gave me material. But my parents were really funny. My mom was really super funny. She'd always roast my dad and things like that. So family was always funny. And that was in India. When I came to Canada, I, um, you know, I was dating somebody that was cousins with actually Keisha Brownie, a very okay. great comedian and she would always tell me she would always say crystal you're so funny you should try comedy and I was like oh I don't know about that you know um because I was I was pretty shy at first to be honest um but I did try it at this random open mic in Brampton up the street for me and it was it was such a crazy time because I literally did maybe four jokes all about my mom and just kind of like growing up in India and coming here um, to Canada. And, you know, they did really well. I met somebody that introduced me to Kenny Robinson the following week. So an insane time for sure. And I did, um, I went to see him. Uh, and I wanted to do the Nubian show and he said, well, you know, he didn't want to throw me to the lions in Toronto as, mm. as he said. So he said to come up to Ajax and do the show there. So I went up to Ajax that month that I first started, I did that show and I killed it. And then he put me on the Toronto show the month after. So I've had an insane start to comedy, to be honest. <laughs> That's a that's a crazy first week meeting yes. Kenny Robinson is exactly. I mean the Godfather that's yeah. unbelievable. Uh, Kenny of course is the the president of the Hall of Fame and and you actually you got to headline the Nubian show his show it's very famous Sunday nights yuck yucks in Toronto yeah. I think they do it once a month. Um, yeah. You were the first Indian woman woman to ever headline that show that must have been a crazy honor for you. Oh yeah. You know what? At that time, like I've been doing this for about 15 years. And at that time, there weren't a lot of women of color, especially, um, you know, Indian women, there were a few, a few black women, um, but hardly Indian women. And so for me, it was definitely an honor to be the first one. Now there's so many, and it's great, you know, um, to see, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the, the variety of women, especially that are on, um, you know, a regular show. So yeah, yeah, it's the it's, diversity it's, it's an honor to be it, the first. 
Yeah. Well, how how long were you in the game when you got that that spot on the new? I think show? I got that in. I'm gonna say five years. Okay. Fifth year, and I got the headline spot. So like I would be a regular doing you know uh, regular spots. And the way Kenny works is he starts with the opener, and mm-hmm. then he kind of moves you down um, to kind of test you and see if you're ready. And then he gives you that headline spot. So I've i I did it quite a few times over the five years uh, when I first started. And it was, I believe my fifth year that he gave me the chance to headline. I was talking to Alison Dorr earlier in the week from Howlin' Roar Records. And we, we were just kind of laughing about Canadian enter, entertainment industry. And people don't really know when they've made it or like what what it is. Uh, do, you, do you have a moment where you're like, okay, this is something I can do going forward? Like this is, you know comedy is something that's in my future yeah well you know what I, what was that moment for me that's a great question hmm. I you know what's funny is that I've been in the game for a while but I haven't really popped until I feel like last year so I've been mm-hmm. kind of consistent doing things that I, I'm really you know lucky I've gotten a lot of private gigs and things like that through my community and, you know, doing like cultural shows and things like that. But last year was, and I, listen, I always knew I wanted to just do comedy. And so because I did make money doing comedy, it was my job. Right. But for me to think like, Hey, like I can actually make it in this business was my last year because I just literally got everything that a comedian wants to get credit wise all in one year. So it was, it was a bit crazy, but I do remember, you know what, I'm going to say my defining moment was probably JFL in Montreal. I think Mm. it was seven years, five or seven years ago when I got to do LOL. And I remember, um, I had just had my kids and I was like, money was tight, you know, because kids are mad expensive. And I was like, wow, like it was such a huge check. And I was like, oh my God, I made it. But then Literally after that, I got nothing for a good two years. So comedy has its way of kicking your butt. When you think you're up there, comedy is like, mm, you know what, girl? Let me show you something. Let me humble your butt right now. So it took me a while to get back up. And of course, I had two babies and I was trying to navigate motherhood and, and being out you know, at night and things like that. So it took me a while to get back up. And I find that last year was like my zoom moment where i was just like okay this this is it for me you know i wrote this on facebook too that i when i opened for russell peters we did 5500 each night so like a total of 11000 people saw me. what ven- what venue were you doing Norama. okay yeah yeah and you know that's such a cool venue because after you're done the show people usually just go to the casino so mm. I was like, yeah, I didn't realize it'd be such a big deal. I'm like, yeah, I'll go to the casino after. So I had a couple of my friends, you know, my husband, of course, we go to the casino and I would get stopped everywhere in that casino. Going, hey, were you the opener? Can I take a picture with you? Like I even went to the bathroom and somebody stopped me in the bathroom and said, hey, uh, were you in the opener? Can I get a picture with you? I was like, uh, before or after I pee? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so awesome. I yeah. totally felt fully out full out famous okay and literally this sunday night i had a show in niagara 
and nobody showed up. And I mean, nobody showed up. It was me. It was a DJ and it was the producer. And he's like, this never happens. I'm so sorry. And I was like, yeah, of course, 11,000 yeah. people to zero. Like I couldn't even get five. Okay. Yeah. Like he canceled the show and I, you know, driving home, I just laughed to myself like, ain't this some shit? Can I swear? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, no problem. I yeah. was like, hey, this some shit. Can you imagine going from such a high and then be like, Crystal, you ain't shit. You know what I mean? That's that's the Canadian entertainment yeah. industry. I feel Absolutely. like that's across the board. That's yeah what it is you know like even i was talking to like ron james recently and i mean he's been a headliner for years and had multiple tv yeah. shows and he's talking about like getting his car stuck in the snow in regina yeah. like the month yeah. previous you know yeah. it just that's it that's what we do um and and even when i was talking to allison last week we were talking about sabrina douglas who i'm yeah. i'm sure you know I love she's her. nominated yeah. for a Juno and how she's a an RN with five kids and you're kind of you're a behavioral therapist and and two kids and and balancing that that life I assume you're still working as a behavioral therapist you know what I I gave my notice last month I January 31st was my last day after 11 years congratulations um on that what what was that like balancing that for 11 years and doing stand-up you know what? I'm really lucky. Uh, the company that I worked for was really, really helpful and, and flexible. And they would let me go on auditions and things like that. And, and you know, I was really lucky to, work. and that's why I stayed with them for so long because they were mm-hmm. understanding that I, you know, they, they knew I had a different career and they knew this was my first love. And, you know, I, um, I had to do whatever opportunities that came up. So it was hard, but it was also a blessing because of course, like I have kids that have to, you know, um, be able to provide for them. And so that was good to have that consistent income. And then, you know, comedy was always a bonus. So it was great. You mentioned Russell Peters. You meant you worked with him on yeah. Roast Battle Canada yes. as well. That must've been a thrill to, to be on that show with an incredible lineup of comedians First of all, how how did that come about, uh, Roast Battle Canada? So Roast Battle was really funny. So during the pandemic, I felt that, hey, maybe I'm going to lose this art form of mine. And something kind of clicked in my head. Of course, at first, I think I went through a depression. And and I was like, you know, mourning the loss of my art, to be honest. I ate a lot. And and of course, even though I ate a lot and and started making donuts and things at home, I turned it into a a business. And I started selling cakes and cookies and cupcakes from my home as income, right? Because I lost this art form that I really has been my life for, you know, the past 15 years. And so I really thought that, you know, if I ever get this back, Um, live comedy that I'm really going to push myself and get out of my comfort zone and and really go for the things that I really know that I deserve. So Roast Battles came to me this way. Keith Pedro, who's a very funny comic, Mm -hmm. amazing roaster as well. He called me up and he was like, hey, uh, can you help me write some jokes for John Paul, which is a friend of mine as well. Uh, And we, we did a lot of stuff in the the pandemic, John Paul and I, because John Paul had this show called The Minority Report over Zoom. And um, it was myself, him, Keisha Brown as well, a couple other great comedians. And we would meet every Sunday. And this actually started as, as jokes. Uh, you know, we'd meet just to say what's up and, and, and talk about the craziness that was happening in the world. And then we'd laugh so much every Sunday that we were like, 
why don't we open this up to the public? Why don't we make this a show and, and see where we can, you know, go from there? So I always tell him that show saved my life because I literally comb my hair and put on makeup every Sunday for that show because we weren't going anywhere. So I was just, you know, in my pajamas every day at home with the kids doing whatever I had to do, right? So I got close to John Paul um, during the pandemic and, and Keith, back to the Rose Battle story, called me to write jokes for him. And I helped him out a little bit here and there. And I was like, wait a minute, I'm a natural asshole. You know, why, <laughs> why am I not on Rose Battles? So I hit up, you know, Zoe, uh, she's so amazing. Um, and uh, I emailed her and I said, hey, Zoe, I know you've already casted this season, but possibly in the future, you know, I would love to be um, one of the roasters. And I was actually a roaster on Kenny's birthday um, and uh, Trix's Trix's birthday as well. So I've done a couple of roasts and, and I've done well on those roasts. And so uh, she emailed me back right away and she said, you know, Crystal, yes, we are full, but I'll definitely keep you in mind. So it's like, okay, uh, here's the thing, Chad. I find like in my life, I've always gotten a no first. So mm. get it, I get used to it. I get used to it and, and I know it's, it's going to change in my head. I know it's going to change because that's what I ask of, of the universe. Right. So literally a couple of days later, I get an email back saying, Hey, somebody dropped out because there was like COVID related stuff happening. Right. People were getting COVID people weren't vaccinated. So there were all these things coming up that, you know, gave me this variable that I could get in there. So she was like, I know it's last minute. Uh, you have literally maybe a week. Uh, to write your jokes and and we're recording in seven days are you okay with that I was like girl I am so okay with that maybe yeah. who my partner is you know let's do this luckily my partner was big norm and I know him really well and you know we we started almost at the same time so I was excited I wrote the jokes I handed them in and literally it was a dream come true such an amazing experience the rest of the cast was amazing the judges were amazing the production as a whole just high quality and they treat you so well. And I really, uh, that was a, a good uh, life-changing moment for me too. Cause that was my first major TV experience. Um, the, that, that's what was going to be my question. Like how long did you have? And you said seven days. And I feel yeah. like that's like, you know if they gave you seven hours you'd probably be like, sure, I'm let's done. do this. Exactly. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Yesterday, what do you mean? Don't even worry about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Was there anything when doing that show? Uh, I doubt Norm would say, hey, don't touch on this, don't do that. But was there anything producers said was off limits um, or was it all systems? No, going? they're pretty good. Like they do give you a questionnaire and they do ask you if there's anything that's off limits that mm. they'll tell the other roaster, hey, just don't do this stuff. So it doesn't look like me being like, hey, don't talk about this. Don't talk yeah. about that, <laughs> right? Yeah. But yeah. to be honest, I'm like, hey, I don't care. If you want to, I mean, people are like, oh, your kids. But if it's a great joke about my kids, hell yeah, I do it. Kids if are fair. Yeah. Kids are fair. If it's a shit joke, I'm going to come for your throat. You know? Yeah. So just make sure it's a good joke. That's all I say. <laughs> there is this there is this thing I've heard a few times about roasting is the only thing you can't make fun of is people's dogs. Hilarious. <laughs> that's, like, yeah. that's the limit. Like spouses, kids, family yeah. member, parents, everything, but do not do, do not, not make, make some, fun of someone's dog. So um and yeah, I like that rule for some is, reason. Um an a hundred yeah, 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 yeah. No, I was saying my my dog is a hundred and twenty pound American bully and he looks like <laughs> He looks like he lifts weights, like he's jacked. So no one, no one would make fun of my dog. Don't touch that dog. No, <laughs> badass dog. <laughs> um, 
you you were part of the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame. First of all, the the first night, the sketch night, when your mic went out, I was like, oh no! But you you rock like I I mean you handled it like a pro, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Like so, it wasn't yeah. when when stuff like that happens, like what's kind of your mindset? Cause I like, sometimes I just get so rattled and in my head, yeah. but like, how do you keep that, that going? Yeah. Real shit. Right. Yeah, so exactly. Yeah. I was so, so pumped to headline that sketch show and so many amazing people on that lineup. Right. And of course I'm the only person doing stand up, So I wanted to represent and then my mic went out and I was like, for fuck's sakes, are you serious? <laughs> But you know, like I, this is what has prepared me for for this moment is that I've done shitty shows without mics, with crappy mics, in someone's mm-hmm. backyard, with dogs barking and children screaming. So trust me, this was nothing. It's just like, okay, I know where I'm gonna go, you know, and I'll talk about whatever I talk about and just get back on track. So it's all right. It happens. It's you know, nothing's perfect in the system. So whatever. the. Uh... The one thing I always go back to is like, why try to invent the wheel with comedy? Like, mm-hmm. let's get a microphone with a cord on a stand and a stool. Like, that's it. Like, I noticed, like, first of all, like, you come out and you have a separate microphone that you like yeah. walk out with. And I, ju- I just don't like that stuff. Like, yeah. put a microphone in a mic stand and let me, yeah. with a cord and let me, like, why are we doing all this fancy stuff? Like, that drives me crazy. Like, you know, or like, what type of mel- mic do you want? Like, I've done a show where it's like a lapel mic. It's like, no, I don't want a, a lapel mic. I want a mic in in my hand. Like, yes, yeah. this is not this is not a TED talk. Let's just yeah. do what we do, and and that's it. Do you remember if when we were just coming back from the pandemic, and certain places, I'm not going to say where, were really strict. And so when mm-hmm. we got on stage before we even told a joke, we had to sanitize the mic. Do you remember that? And also put on those little mic condoms. Yeah. Oh, that... As a female getting up there and going like this with the <laughs> yeah. and then putting the little condom on, I was like, no, like I'm roasting whoever makes me do this. So it was literally yeah. three minutes to start my set was about that. Cause I'm yeah, like, that's come on, man. People are sitting really close to each other now. And mm-hmm you know rooms are packed and things like that it still makes me a bit nervous is that strange I don't know it's still it's just my mind was so into that I guess like that that phase where they scared us and they were like don't get this and don't do that and stay away that now when people come close I'm like oh oh okay you're very close (laughs) but I I I still my day job work in an environment where I have to mask up the entire time I'm there Um, which is, which is fine, but I find myself constantly reaching for a mask when it's not there, when I'm at like a restaurant or show or something, I'm constantly, so it is still, yeah, top of mind for me. And it's good where I, where I am in certain places. A couple more before I let you go. Uh, you also performed at the gala ceremony or you were, you were host actually of the ceremony. I missed, I missed it. I'm a father. I had a sick child that night, so I wasn't able to, uh, to attend uh but that must have been an incredible event at the at the fairmont royal york again yeah. honoring canadian legends beautiful it was such a beautiful event and just so many legends in the building and yeah so i hosted i didn't really get to do material because i was just reading off 
the teleprompter. Um, but it was lovely. I was with Kenny and, and there was another young man with us. And it was really, it was just, it was a moment to remember. I actually wrote a joke. I'll tell you quickly about it. Um, so they told me, the producers told me I could park ballet. And I was like, oh shit. Like I have to <laughs> I get to park ballet. That's huge. Right. So like, listen, I've never parked valet. I've never done it. So I was so excited. And, you know, I drive up and, and I give the little guy my keys at the front and, you know, he takes my car and he goes off and I took a few steps and I stood there. I'm like, holy shit. Like, this is such a big moment for me right now. Right. And then this old white couple handed me their keys. And I was oh, like, no. <laughs> That's so awesome. I could have been offended, but I have never driven a Tesla before. <laughs> yeah, they're so quiet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, that was, you know, I, I walked to the building and I told Chuck that, that Chuck Bird, and he's like, oh, you got to make that a joke. I'm like, oh, trust me, I am making that a joke. <laughs> Oh, that's unbelievable. Oh, that's okay. that's awesome. Yeah. Um, you, like you said, you've had an incredible year. Uh, what What's next for you? Um, I'm definitely looking forward to possibly season three of Rose Battles. Um, right. Possibly, because, you know, not supposed to talk about it. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I just like, I'm going to push my book a lot more. I have another book coming out. Uh, and yeah, just like I said, doing all the things that I was kind of sitting back and waiting for, just pushing and, and, and getting myself seen really. Cause I know I have the talent. I've built this for 15 years. I just mm -hmm. need the opportunity. Right. So for sure. Rose battles, a show that they don't do enough. Like I think seven <laughs> episodes a season, like let's bump that to at least 14. I know, and I miss it's a it. killer There's show. Like, yeah. There's a period of time where we have to until the next season comes out and it's just it's oh it's it's a great show it needs to be on more for sure absolutely absolutely um my final question as always on this show uh this is for the canadian comedy hall of fame uh we've inducted probably 25 people so far uh who do you think should be in the hall of fame future hall of famers even pe people in your in your cohort or or uh or people you've looked up to who would you kind of put in the Canadian yeah. Comedy Hall of Fame. Obviously, Kenny and Russell are in the Hall of Fame already, correct? They are not in the Hall of Fame oh, yet. Kenny, so Kenny there is, you go. There you that, go. That's it. That's that's two for sure. You have to be in the game for so many years. Obviously, they both they both have yeah. been. Russell, for sure, future Hall of Famer. He gets brought up a lot on this show. And yeah. Kenny is the current sitting president of the Hall right. of Fame. Right. So I feel like when his tenure is done, he will yeah. jump right in there. Yeah. Um Absolutely. Both of them Hall of Famers. Um, thanks so much, Crystal, for joining me. Uh, big fan of yours and, and all your success and uh, continued, oh continued success. Hopefully I'll see you again at JFL uh, yes. in, in July, August, whenever it is. Uh, yeah. yeah. Cheers. Thanks so much. Take care. Bye. There it is. Crystal Ferrier on the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame podcast. Big thanks to Crystal for coming on. Crystal has an album out right now. You can listen to it on Spotify, probably absolutely everywhere. It is called It Was All a Dream. It's very, very funny. So check that out, her album. She'll be in Kitchener on April 20th, uh, Hamilton April 21st, and Toronto at the Comedy Bar on April 22nd. So lots of shows coming up for Crystal. If you want to follow her, you can give her the follow at Crystal the Comedian on Instagram. Also, thanks to Courtney Gilmore for coming on. Courtney is on the new season of CBC Gems' new wave of stand-up. 
amazing set. All the sets on that show are, are really, really good. Uh, so check her out there. Check her out if you're going to the Halifax Comedy Fest. She'll also be performing there at the end of April. And uh, anything Courtney, it is CourtneyGilmore.com. Uh, that's it for me. Don't forget, follow the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame on social media, on your Facebooks, your Twitters, your TikToks, your Instagrams. Uh, check us out at CanadianComedyHall.com. So for all things nominees, all things voting, all things Hall of Fame, uh, with lots of big stuff coming up as we are just getting into voting season for the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame, which will quickly move into induction season very, very quickly. Uh, so I can't wait for that to come. And once again, thanks to Jaybird Digital Arts and jbirddigitalarts.com is where you go. That They do all our graphics for the Hall of Fame. He does all kinds of uh, graphics in the comedy world for shows, music, wrestling. He does it all. So thanks so much to J-Man for helping us out there. Uh, big show coming up in just a couple of weeks. I already have Jackie Perico books, so check listen for that uh, for the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame podcast. I'm Chad Noonan.